You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. And Urban Meyer gets fired. And you got a great game coming up tonight. You got the Chargers against the Kansas City Chiefs. Come on in, stay a while. The great coach, Hall of Famer, Jimmy Johnson, will join us coming up in a little bit, about 20 minutes from now. That jump from college to the NFL since 2000. Urban Meyer lasted 13 games, 2 and 11. Uh, Matt Rule, he went from Baylor to Carolina. He's 10 and 19. Cliff Kingsbury from Texas Tech to the Cardinals, 23 and 20. And he seems to be on the uptick. Bill O'Brien went from Penn State to the Texans. He was four games over 500. Chip Kelly, Oregon to the Eagles. He was five games over 500. Doug Marone went from Syracuse to the Bills, two games under 500. Greg Schiano, Rutgers to the Buccaneers, 10 games under 500. Jim Harbaugh, Stanford to the Niners. He was 44-19-1. Bobby Petrino, he was... 3-10, and ten, another guy who lasted 13 games, went from Louisville to the Falcons. And uh, Nick Saban, LSU to the Dolphins. He was uh, two games under 500. Steve Spurrier, Florida to Washington, eight games under 500. Butch Davis, Miami to the Browns. He was 11 games under 500. We'll talk to Jimmy Johnson about that leap going from college to the NFL. He did it well, became a Hall of Famer. He'll join us coming up. We knew recent history wasn't on the Jags' side when they hired Urban Meyer because, as I just pointed out, a lot of these prolific college coaches don't have success in the NFL. And I'm sure Shad Khan thought Urban Meyer was going to be an exception. The team was plagued by controversy from the day he got there. Now you have the latest report that his former kicker got kicked in the leg, uh, Josh Lambeau. Josh Lambeau had this to say about the incident. I see... Urban come up to me out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> he comes up to me and he says, hey, dip, another word, uh, make your effing kicks. And then proceeds to kick me right in the leg, right in the hamstring. Um, also on the, on the leg, on the hip, that kept me out for 12 games last year. And I couldn't believe it happened. I looked up at him. I said, don't you ever kick me again. This uh, was uh, an interview, first Coast News in Jacksonville. And then Josh Lambeau was asked if he thought Urban was fit to coach the Jags. This is before he got fired. How fit do you feel Coach Urban Meyer is to lead the Jaguars organization? For me, I would say completely unfit. And that is my observation from what I saw day in and day out for a lot of months this year. The way that he treats the guys in the locker room, this, this pompous nature that he has, that he can get away with anything. You know, I, I see myself as a Jaguar, and I, 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 I certainly don't see him that way. Urban's demise shows the difference between college and the NFL. You know, coaches have total autonomy where they not only run the team, but in a lot of cases, they run the whole town. Urban was used to doing what he wanted to do as long as he won games, and he won games every place he stopped. And maybe we would give him a little more leeway if his team was good. But they're 2-11. and 11. It was a bad fit from the beginning. As I said, when Urban Meyer got fired, or hired, I should say, uh, a source told me Ryan Day, the current Ohio State head coach, would have been a better hire than Urban Meyer because he would do better at developing Trevor Lawrence. Because we haven't thought about or talked about Trevor Lawrence. And there's a lack of development there with him. And in large part because they don't have the right person to be able to do that. Now, Daryl Bevel 
has been an offensive coordinator. He was with Russell Wilson. I want to be fair to him. But there is a lack of development with Trevor Lawrence right now. And I don't think too many people have talked about Trevor Lawrence. He's the number one overall pick. We, you know, talk about Zach Wilson. Zach hasn't done anything with the Jets. But Trevor Lawrence has done very little in Jacksonville as well. Urban Meyer maybe steps back, maybe figures out how to rebuild his career. Maybe this is it. But there's a lot of different scenarios that can take place here. I think this job is a great job. And the reason is they have a lot of salary cap money. You have what could be a franchise quarterback, and you play in a division that you can win. I mean, you're, you're in a division where you don't have a great quarterback in that division. And if you're going to follow Urban Meyer, okay, people are going to give you a little bit more patience there. And I think that this could be a great opportunity for a coach to come in, help develop Trevor Lawrence, take advantage of the salary cap, get some people in there. And, you know, you look at Ryan Tannehill is not a great quarterback. The Texans don't have a quarterback right now. And Carson Wentz is, we're not quite sure. Like, you can, you can compete in this division. And I think you can compete, compete quickly in this division. But, you know, this was, this was starting to be systemic. Where Urban, I mean, this is how Urban coaches. You know, he intimidates, he belittles his assistant coaches. You can get away with it when you're winning. You know, you win 10 games, 11 games. Florida, Ohio State. And he does win in college, and he's better suited for college. And we pointed that out, that when you come in and you have that, you have to work with players in the NFL. There's an adjustment period there. There's a personality adjustment period where you have to go, let me read the room here. Because you can't go in and go, hey, you guys, I'm great and you suck. And you're talking to your coaches that way. Well, who hired the coaches? You did. So how great are you that you hired coaches who aren't good? And then you belittle them. And in college, nobody's going to speak out of turn. There's no leaks at Florida. There's no leaks at Ohio State. Your local media is on your side. You get to the NFL, these coaches are probably going, can you believe this guy? Like, what's he done? Who are you? These players, these players are going, who? I don't care what you did at Ohio State or Florida. Welcome to the NFL, where every day you play Alabama. And then you're going to kick a player? They have a player's union. You can't kick him. I mean, you, you can't kick anybody. But in the NFL, I mean, these are grown-ass men. They're not going to put up with this. But this was the last straw. Because... It felt like Shad Khan didn't want to let Urban Meyer in the building today. And I'm sure there'll be some settlement, some payout here. Urban will eventually have something to say at some point here. But, you know, he didn't handle this well. The enormity overwhelmed him, it felt like. He was in over his head. But it starts with when you think you're better than everybody else. You know what's great? When somebody tells you that you're better than everybody else. Not you telling everybody you're better than everybody else. And you walk in with that ego, and they'll show you the door. It just doesn't last long. And it certainly seemed to play out that way in Jacksonville, where 
it, it was a question of what he stepped down, quote unquote, due to health reasons again. And I think that was the prevailing thought. And as far as who could step in there, you know, maybe they give uh, Byron Leftwich. Now he's working with Tom Brady in Tampa. Maybe Eric Bieniemy gets an opportunity here. Brian Dable, who's done a great job with Josh Allen in Buffalo. But I'd love to know what the buyout's going to be, because that I'd have great, curi- uh, great curiosity with what are they going to pay you. This program brought to you by the great folks at Panini, the Panini trading cards, hottest rookies, biggest superstars, all-time greats. Only place to collect them all, Panini Trading Cards, the official trading cards of the DP Show. For instant classics, autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, and more, start or continue your collection now at PaniniAmerica.net. Here's Trevor Lawrence on uh, what goes on in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have some form of drama. I've learned that even just the NFL is just more drama in general than college, no matter where you're at. But you're right. I mean, there's been a lot. And uh, yeah, to your point, I do think that has to change. And, you know, that's something that we need to work on for sure. So you can't always be in the headlines. You just got to go play football. And that's where we're trying to get. And I, I have no doubt we'll get there. Probably thinking I should have stayed in college. Although Clemson didn't have a good year this year. But yeah. And then, you know, people immediately said, how about Dabo Sweeney? And I go, haven't we already had a marquee college coach, coach uh, the Jags? Let's not do that. Let's go opposite. Oh, you bring in Dabo, he can help develop Trevor Lawrence. Mm, Good luck with that. You don't think that uh, Urban connected with the players, you know, wait till Dabo comes to town. That's not a good idea. But maybe you get one of these offensive coordinators who gets the opportunity there. But now you're ahead of everybody. Now you got a chance to, you know, the job search is open right now. And as crazy as it may sound, I would still, I'd still be interested in Ryan Day at Ohio State. He may not want to leave. You know, there's talk that he could be attached to the Chicago Bears job. But, you know, all indications are he'll eventually be a head coach in the NFL. You may not want to go back to the college ranks, but if you do... Ryan Day would be at the top of my list. Yeah, Paul. I saw a couple of reports of what the payout would be. It's not a buyout for Urban Meyer, but what he's owed. Mm-hmm. It could be over $50 million as of right now on paper. Now, there are a couple of people like Florian and others have written that if they could fire him for cause and have more of an incident that caused his firing, then it would be easier to claw back the money or not pay him at all. Well, you have the incident. Yes. He kicked a kicker. That's interesting. Yeah. Lou Holtz lasted 13 games when he coached the Jets. Bobby Petrino, 13 games when he coached the Falcons. Urban Meyer, 13 games with the Jags. Stat of the day, stat of the day. Stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. Poll question, McLovin. Okay, this is a Paul special, and it's a hard one to answer. Who coaches first, John Gruden or Urban Meyer? I'm going to say Urban Meyer. I'm going to say Urban. Because he can go back to being that personality in college that helped him become a Hall of Fame coach. And I don't know, you know, how big a university. Like, John's got to overcome other things of what were written in those emails, um, that might be a little bit tougher. 
I mean, Urban had baggage anyway. When he was doing the Fox pregame show, when people brought up USC, and I was told adamantly, he's not getting a job at USC. They can't hire him. And then I thought, okay, they gave him an offer he couldn't refuse in the NFL. Uh, John Gruden got an offer he couldn't refuse in the NFL. Because John could have stayed and done Monday night football for the next 10 years if he wanted to. Uh, Urban could have stayed in TV. But you know what? These guys are fixers. They always think that they're better. Hey, I can do this. I can, I can be better than the next guy. Hey, I, I won in college. I can win here. And it's not that easy. Yeah, ton. With the increased use of the transfer portal, is there concern that a college would hire Urban Meyer and some of these guys would be like, ugh, I'm out of here. I can do what I'm doing at another school that may be just as good as wherever Urban might get hired and not have to deal with that? Well, he's not going to get hired now. You know, unless somebody leaves a college job for an NFL job, then maybe. But I'm going to guess Urban's going to sit down for a little while, maybe survey the situation here, talk to his family, see if you know, he needs to do this, wants to do this, health reasons why. Yeah, but you in college, you do have the transfer portal, but you do want to be attached to a program that wins as well. I'm sure Nick Saban's really tough on his players. I'm probably pretty sure that Nick Saban runs with an iron fist. But he's also playing in a national championship game every year. And he's now churning out Heisman Trophy winners. You can be tough, but I think players want to see the end result of, okay, I'm going to follow you only so far. And then after a while, you're going, why am I following this guy? Like, I'm, I don't want to fall off a cliff, and that's what we're going to do. And I thought he was going to be fired after London. Uh, but, you know, he lasted 13 games. And, the, you know, they won a couple of games. That took a little bit of the pressure off what happened in the bar in Columbus, Ohio. But from the outset, look at the timeline. He just didn't get anything right. And it's not like you go, oh, you know, he's too old. He's 57. That's not old at all. I mean, he's, what, 10 years, maybe a little more younger than Nick Saban. He's like 13 years younger than Pete Carroll. 13 years younger than Saban. So, you know, he's got an opportunity to coach again, and somebody will give him a chance. It's just he learned, as a lot of these coaches learn, you get humbled in the NFL. Yeah, McLovin. I mean, he went through a lot even in Ohio State and still got the best recruits every year. He got, His last recruit was Justin Fields, I think, right yeah. before he left. Yeah. All right, we'll get to phone calls. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at DPSHOW. Once again, big day for Deion Sanders and Jackson State. Uh, they uh, pick up the number one recruit in the country, and uh, his name is Travis Hunter, a defensive back and a wide receiver. We watched it unfold in real time. And he had three hats, and I said, Paulie, I thought he's going to go to Jackson State. And he threw the hats out of the way, and he had a Jackson State sweatshirt on. We'll talk about that relationship with Deion Sanders, and are there more to come for Deion in recruiting and the historically black colleges and universities? Because Hugh Jackson just got hired. Uh, Eddie George is also coaching. And maybe you see a little bit of a shift there with getting talent there. 
All right, we'll take a break. Jimmy Johnson will join us coming up next. We'll talk to him about Urban Meyer. Also, Dak Prescott, do Cowboy quarterbacks get too much credit or too much blame? Is it easier or harder to go from college to the NFL? So we'll talk to Jimmy. He'll join us next here on the Dan Patrick Show. Discover the Discover credit card, and what you are going to find out is Discover matches all the cash back. You earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, and they do that automatically. And there's no limit on how much you can earn. It's amazing, even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of the places in the United States that take credit cards take Discover. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing the word yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitation supply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Fox NFL Sunday analyst, two-time Super Bowl champ. And I believe one of three coaches to coach a national championship team and also a Super Bowl winning team. Barry Switzer, Pete Carroll, I believe, are the other two. Jimmy Johnson joins us. Is that right, Jimmy? I, I was the first one, and Barry followed me <laughs> and Pete after that. <laughs> um. The difference between coaching in college in the NFL today, as opposed to when you did it, is what? You know, Dan, uh, uh, not too awful long ago, uh, Terry Bradshaw asked me on the show, he said, what's the difference in college coaching and pro coaching you know, and, and, and coaching the game? I said, you know, Terry, there's not a world of difference. There's a galaxy of difference. <laughs> if you really, you can't compare. It, it, I mean, I could go on and on and on. If you're in one of the top ten programs uh, in college football, uh, you know the difference in the talent is so vast. Uh, you're going to win ten games just by showing up. Uh, so a lot of times, it, it's hard to evaluate a college coach going into pro football. The other thing is, you know as opposed to grown men that are working for a living, you know, in college, you're a mentor, you're a father figure, you know, they're young kids that left home for the first time in their life. You know, they've got all kinds of problems, girlfriend problems, academic problems, you know, they're homesick. And so you end up spending half your time counseling them. Uh, in professional football, they're grown men working for a living. You know, they have a job uh, and, how well you do uh, depends on how much money they're going to make. Uh, so, you know, they're a little bit more skeptical than a 18-year-old uh, kid. The length of the season on, like I said, I could go on and on and on. You know, the, I, I remember when Steve, Steve Spurrier went to uh, the Redskins. Um, he said, okay, he looked at the practice fields and he said, well, this is the offensive practice field he said is that the defensive practice field down there they said hey you only got 53 players we don't have we don't have enough players to have two you know, two groups going it's not like college where you've got 100 players uh but, but there's a world of difference between the two where did urban go wrong oh yeah you know i i, I think the mishaps have been chronicled uh you know quite a bit and i i don't want to pile on uh you know, a, a lot of things happened. Uh, number one, you know, you know, when I went to the Dallas Cowboys, I took the staff with me 
that I had at Oklahoma State. A lot of them had been with me at University of Pittsburgh, and but they were my Oklahoma State coaches, and they were my University of Miami coaches. They'd been with me for 10, 15 years. So, you know, there was never a chink in the harbor. You know, you know if uh, some disgruntled veteran might say, hey, we don't need to do it this way. Well, the entire staff would say, hey, wait a minute. We're going to do it the way Jimmy wants to do it. You know, so there was never any discussion about how we were going to do it. It was one voice. With Urban, you know, he had coaches from all over. Uh, and, you know, from reports, you know, there were, you know, some dysfunction, you know, with the coaching staff. Um, it's, you know, it's a difficult thing. You know, he took over a, he took over a job, but uh, was difficult, a team that hadn't won. But I did the same thing in Dallas. You know, people don't realize Tom Landry was one of the greatest coaches of all time, but he had had three straight losing seasons. And not, not only three straight losing seasons, they had the worst record in the NFL. So it wasn't a matter of coaching. It was talent. And, and that's the thing that I was able to do is, you know, I was able to jumpstart it with all those trades by, you know, bringing in more talent. Did you pick Troy? Yeah. Oh, please. I was in Troy's home when he was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I worked on Troy for about three years and he was going to commit to Oklahoma State. Uh, and then his last weekend, he went and visited Oklahoma. Wait, wait. What do you think <laughs> happened that weekend, Jimmy, with Troy? Hey, you know, young college kids, <laughs> just like my oldest son was going to go to Stanford. We were all set and he went and visited Texas the last weekend. Fred Akers called me and said, Hey, Jimmy says, you know, Brent just committed to Texas. And my wife says, oh, no, he didn't. He's going to Stanford. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those last weekends, those young kids, that sometimes they can be swayed. You have coaches who are successful in college. And as you said, for a lot of them, you win 10 games, just talent alone. But then you, not that you get used to losing, but you have to be able to sort of accept it a little bit like you were you were losing that first year i know you don't oh. want to lose but you can't let it eat you up can you or did it uh it it, it almost it, i mean I, I remember after that 16th game i walked up with my brenda bushnell who did my tv show i brought her in from miami with me I, in fact i brought you know the you know the trainers the administrative assistants uh the equipment people, you know, I brought all of them to mine because Jerry fired everybody after we got there. <laughs> but but uh, but I told Brenda, and she said, hey, well, Coach, I know that you're really down. You know, I was just physically and mentally drained. And she said, but we can tape your TV show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. I said, Brenda, get one of the assistants to do it. I can't do it. I said, I'm going to grab Rhonda, and we're going to the Bahamas. I, I got to get out of here. I mean, it, it's it's difficult. But now we made some moves. Now we traded away our only Pro Bowl player. You know, we we I traded away the starting quarterback Steve Pelour to Kansas City. Uh, I released the leading receiver. So we made some moves that probably cost us two or three games. But I wasn't worried about that particular year. Uh, I wanted to make sure we built a team that could win in the future. And in the second year. Had Troy not hurt his shoulder, we would have probably made the playoffs the second year. Uh, and so we were building for the future. But were you in jeopardy of getting fired or quitting? Oh, please. If 
if we're not, I'd gotten fired, I'd made more money than what I did after five years because I had a 10-year contract. <laughs> yeah. I'd have had nine years of bonus money. <laughs> When's the last time you got a call to coach? Oh, you know, I, I had quite a few, you know, I, obviously after I left Dallas. And then I had quite a few after I left Fox. Uh, you know, I had to make the decision between Philadelphia and Tampa and Miami and you know I wanted to stay in South Florida. I wanted to stay home, so you know I took the Miami job, even though their cap was you know horrendous. We were five million over the cap when I took the job. Um, and, and then you know after I left the Dolphins, it, most of the calls then were to be general manager or consultant or one thing or another. And I even had one team, one team called and says, you know, come up and run our draft. And I said, what do you mean run your draft? She said, come up and run the draft and pick the players. I said, I can't do that. I said, you know, that's it, – it take me three months to get, you know, up to speed as far as the players. And I said, I can't go up there and make the decisions. Your general manager and your head coach, they're not going to like that at all. You know? And I said, it won't work that way. Plus, you can't pay me enough money to, you know, be away from home for three months. So you um, but, told Dan Snyder no that you wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, I'm not divulging the team. Oh, all right. He's uh, Jimmy Johnson, the Hall of Famer, joining us. Do Cowboy quarterbacks get too much credit or too much blame? Oh, I, I think the entire team and every player on that team gets too much credit and too much blame. Uh, there's so much visibility with the Dallas Cowboys uh, around the country, around the world. Um, Every every week, uh, they're either the greatest it's ever been, or they're the worst it's ever been. Um, yeah, there's a lot of opinions on every Dallas Cowboy, uh, and that's the way it is. And you just accept that. You know, when I left ESPN, I didn't want ESPN to be successful. Now I left on my own, but I don't know if after what happened with Dallas, that you sort of when you leave, do you leave and go? I hope that they aren't successful. Yeah, no, you know, uh, there's a lot of people there that that I really care about. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I've got a big stake in in the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and so I've got a legacy there that you know I want the Cowboys to win. You know, I, I pull for the Cowboys. You know, I, I brought in Rich Dalrymple, even though he, he only worked for me. I brought him to the University of Miami, and then I brought him you know to the Cowboys with me. You know. And so there's a lot of people that I really care about. I, I want them to win. Um, and, you know, and Jerry and I have a, a, a strange relationship, but I want Jerry to be successful. I, I want him to win. You know, he, he's the greatest businessman that's ever been, but I want him to win, you know, another Super Bowl. Has Jerry ever been on your boat? No. Uh, I, I, uh, and I haven't been on his, his, his little boat either. He, 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 I think his boat's a little bigger than yours, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, you had this quote about Dak Prescott, and uh, you said he can win you a championship if you've got really good players around him. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple things there. Um, you know, I think the – Dak Prescott's number one attribute is he is a great leader, great leader for that team. And, and you can say that about a lot of quarterbacks. Number one, any quarterback's got to have good players around him. You know, to win a championship, any player has to have good players around him. 
But there are certain quarterbacks that could win more with less. Um, Aaron Rodgers needs a few good players, but he doesn't need a whole team of good players. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, Trent Dilfer, you know, wasn't as talented as Dak Prescott, but he won a Super Bowl because he had an unbelievable defense. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think there's – it's everything's relative there. I, I think Dak Prescott is an outstanding quarterback. Uh, but I do believe he, he needs, you know, a, an outstanding defense and some great players around him to win. And, I, you know, right now he needs that running game to get going so that he can take advantage of play-action passes and get the ball to those great receivers. It was about a month ago, maybe a little bit longer, that you said on the Fox program that you'd take Justin Herbert over Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I said that. In fact, I said that about two years ago. You know, when they were talking about the draft, I was on Colin's show, and this is a week before the draft, and, and they were talking Detroit was going to play, take a defensive back, which they ended up taking. I said, take a defensive back? I said, would you rather have a defensive back or a franchise quarterback? You tell me. Yeah, I said, Justin Herbert, take Justin Herbert. They said, well, he got Matthew Stafford. I said, I don't care if they – I said, I had Troy Aikman, and I took Steve Walsh, you know. Yeah. Quarterbacks are valuable. I ended up trading Steve Walsh for a one, two, and a three. I said, you know, let them have Matthew Stafford. Let them bring in Justin Herbert. Then they can make a decision. They can move one of them. But, you know, hey, a a franchise quarterback is a heck of a lot more important than a defensive back. The other thing, Justin Herbert, he had everything that I was looking for. Yeah, And uh, he's not the most talented quarterback in the league right now. He's not the best quarterback in the league. But as far as a guy that's only – in his second or third year, you know, with his intelligence, with his ability, with his arm to build a football team, I still say I would take Justin Herbert. You know, I love what I see with him. I thought it was going to take a little longer to develop, but what he's doing has not happened before. Like you're throwing for over 30 touchdowns your first two seasons in the NFL. And Dan, he's only going to just get better. Yeah. You know, as he gets more experience, he's going to get better. Um, but, uh, yeah, people criticize me for saying that, uh, are the second week of the season. Yeah. Uh, but, and at that time, Patrick Mahomes was struggling a little bit, you know, he, he wanted to throw the ball down the field. And obviously Patrick Mahomes is one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. Uh, but you know, you know, Mahomes has had a couple of injuries, you know, Herbert is a big, strong guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I liked what I saw. If you could take. Justin Herbert or Troy Aikman? Well, yeah, I'm not real good at making those kind of comparisons. <laughs> not, not with my buddy Troy. <laughs> I think Troy's but, but okay you know with what? it. I, I tell you what, you know, Herbert reminds me a lot of Troy. Both of them very smart. Both of them work extremely hard. Both of them big and strong. Both of them got a strong arm. You know, and so they, hey, they're they're comparable. But I'm not going to. Choose. <laughs> so, so they're kind of like Terry Bradshaw was when he played. Uh, now that's a different subject. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he is. Actually, I recruit, I, I helped recruit Terry Bradshaw. When he was a senior in high school, E.J. Lewis and I sat in the stands at Woodlawn High School. That was my first job coaching at Louisiana Tech. And I watched Terry play his senior year, and he ended up going to Louisiana Tech. But he was everybody's number one big, strong quarterback. You could throw it all over the field. How did he end up at Louisiana Tech? 
Uh, Terry had to tell you that, you know, they, uh, he lived right there in Shreveport yeah. and in Ruston, it was only about 30 miles away. So probably a mama's boy and homesick and wanted to stay close. He's, he's, a, he's definitely a family, family man, you know, as far as his family. Uh, what do we see about Bill Belichick or what do we not see about Bill Belichick and what he does? Cause it, it, he, Dan, he's the best. Um, but what what is it though, Jimmy? Because you you're one of my favorite, one of the smartest you know football people I've ever been around. But Belichick just does. He but, seems to be on a different level. Well, uh, we've been friends for over thirty years. Back when he was at Cleveland, we made a few trades, and I was at the Kentucky Derby with him uh, thirty years ago. And and he comes down quite often, and you know we visit on occasion. Um, to give you an example, you know, one of the times he came down here to the Keys, and he's always got a little bit of an agenda, you know. And you know, I want to go on the boat and drink beer, you know. <laughs> and, we got, and we got on the boat, and he started talking about the draft, and you know, he's saying, you know, Jimmy said, you know, this and that. We've got some extra picks here and there, and you know. He started rattling off the players that I had drafted when I was at Dallas. He had already done his homework. <laughs> and you know, some of the guys I had forgotten about. He said, you drafted those players, but your team was so good that, you know, you, you know, weren't able to keep them. They made another team. You had to cut them, and they went to another team. I said, Bill, I said, draft picks are like currency. They're like money. And I said, you know how every single draft, you know, you're going to be in that round, and some, you know, there's going to be five teams calling you and say, "Hey, we'll trade you, trade you next year's two for your three. I said, "So bank some of those picks." You know, that was one year that we fished. Yeah, you know, and then a year later, he comes down and he's talking about he's I got three players that are wanting new contracts. So, and he started talking about some of the contracts that we had done. So he's always working to get better. Yeah. You know, you know, I've sat with uh, him and Linda and, and Rhonda and I at a restaurant, you know, here in the off season, he's on the phone with, with agents talking about, you know, hey, a free agent, you know, hey, we'll negotiate, we'll do this and that. And we, you know, he's always working. And, and, and he's the best. Um, uh, you know, people want to compare great coaches of all time. And obviously you look at the Tom Landry's and the Chuck Knowles and the Don Shula's and everything else, but that was a different era. I mean, back then, you built your team, and that team stayed together for 10 years. You, you didn't have free agency. You didn't lose anybody. Today's football, I mean, you've got about 50 players or so, and you're liable to have to, you know, middle of the season, you're liable to have to take somebody off the street and have him play that week. So I think, it, it, I think coaching is more important today than it's ever been. You know, Used to, you'd draft a rookie, he'd be on the bench for about three years before he ever played. Yeah. Nowadays, you draft a, a, a rookie, he's going to be playing it sometime during the year. So, you you know, coaches have to be great teachers. You know, they have to be better teachers than they've ever been. Now, they've got about 25 coaches now, and they used to have about seven or eight. You know, so, they got a lot of teachers on their staff. How about a show, Beers With? Beers on the Boat With. So, you, right? you and you have... Ditka, you know, you could have Troy on there. Maybe Jerry oh. one day, Belichick. I, I, I can help I mean, you produce I, this. Beers on the boat with. If I start listing all of the general managers, the owners, 
the, uh, the coaches, the pro coaches, the college coaches that have come down here. Yeah. I've already had beers with most all of them. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, everybody, Bob McNair, Cal McNair, Tom Benson, you know, you know John Shaw, uh, Dean Spanos has been down here two or three times, Jeffrey Lurie, you know, I mean, you know, and, and you know, the same thing with the head coaches, you know, I, I uh, so I've had beers with most of them anyway. We yeah, but now we film, film it. it. Now we film it. And you get Why paid. We film it? Hey, if, if we film it, it's be about like what uh, David Hill, one of the great TV guys of all time, when he there at Fox, we have a production meeting on Sunday morning for about 15 minutes before we go do the show. And we would laugh and cut up and tell stories one thing. And he said, man, this is great. This is great TV. He brought a camera in the next week. <laughs> we <say> a word. <laughs> so you put a you put a camera on that boat. I don't think Belichick's gonna be telling any Lawrence Taylor stories. <laughs> uh, it just means you have to drink more beer. <laughs> I, it, Everybody gets quiet when the red light goes on. <laughs> it's uh, great to talk to you, Jimmy. Thank you. Happy holidays, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. All right, Dan. Thank to you, buddy. Jimmy okay. Johnson, Hall of Famer, Fox NFL Sunday analyst, won a couple of Super Bowls and a national championship at the U. Take a break. Play of the day. Phone calls next. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The play, the play, play. of the day. Left side, got it! Play it and play it. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Giddy will float it into Shea, and he throws up a three <laughs> from 37 feet. Nothing but net. Inbound to Devontae. Three-quarter court. Good if it goes. He banked it in! He banked it in! He banked it in! The Pelicans have won! By the most improbable shot you can even think of! Back-to-back improbable shots! That's courtesy of WRNO, Pelicans Radio Network. Graham's buzzer beater has given the Pelicans three of the six longest shots made in the NBA over the last three years, a 70-footer. That's your play of the day. Play of the day is brought to you by Masterclass. Boy, I love this gift. You give a gift, Masterclass Unlimited Access to Online Classes from the World's Best. You give one annual Masterclass membership, you get one free at masterclass.com slash Patrick. Terms do apply. Uh, update the poll results, McLovin. Get a couple of phone calls in here. Who coaches first, John Gruden or Urban Meyer? Slight lead to Urban so far. All right. I watched the Lakers last night. Mavs blew the game. Austin Reeves out of Wichita State hit the game winner. Excuse me. He's a rookie, undrafted. I like how they're already making uh, comparisons with uh, Caruso. That <laughs> I go, come on. Really? Hey, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of Alex Caruso. I said, what? 
Uh, 6'5 white guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's got some athleticism. Yeah. Sneaky athleticism? Yeah, he's sneaky athleticism. He might be a coach's son. Who knows? But uh, hit the game winner. I like how they're passing the ball around on the perimeter. They actually throw the ball to Russell Westbrook in the corner. And somehow, Dallas didn't encourage Russell Westbrook to take the jumper like, like Todd did with Mario. You know, you just go, hey, go ahead. And then Russ starts to drive and he dishes it now to uh, Austin Reeves and they beat the Dallas Mavericks. Not exactly a monumental achievement since Luka Doncic wasn't playing, but uh, Dallas blew that game. Yeah, Paul. This kid, Austin Reeves, played a couple years at Wichita State, yeah. and then uh, two years he transferred to Oklahoma. Averaged 18 points his last year at Oklahoma. Yeah. I remember watching a game, and I came in, uh, it was probably a Saturday game, and, and he it, it looked like he'd embraced Pete Maravich. Like he had a pretty good handle, had some flair, uh, and you know, 6'5", had some range there. Not Pete Maravich, but you could tell where he was probably heavily influenced by uh, Pete Maravich with the way he played. But, you know, he hit a big shot last night. You know, when you think about that, when you want the game on the line, who's taking the shot? Well, he is open, and if he's a knockdown shooter, then he was the right guy to get the ball. I, I'm, I'm still concerned watching LeBron fire up threes. LeBron, you're not Steph Curry, but it's the wear and tear that I think he's he's trying to avoid. It feels like he's load managing while he plays. That I'm I just not going to be pounding the ball to the hoop all the time. You know, I'm just going to try to you know gear up for the postseason. And and if that's his goal, and you're going to shoot threes, and you could survive that way, then fine. But you know, we said this at the beginning. When I, I watched the first couple of games, I said, LeBron is going to shoot threes all year long. He'll shoot the most threes of his career. And he's doing it, not by accident. Because he can get to the hoop anytime he wants. I don't think there's any better player going right getting to the hoop than LeBron. You can't stop him. Yeah. Jordan even said, you, you can't stop that. He goes right, he's going to the hoop, you're not going to stop him. He just doesn't want to get, you know, banged around. Doesn't want to shoot free throws. That wear and tear. Going to be 37. And I like how you get these headlines. You know, eventually he's going to start slipping a little bit. Yeah, he will. You know, it could be this year. He's not going to be what he was five years ago. He's still a great player. But that ability to be able to carry a team, those days, those are rapidly diminishing. One hour in the books, two more to go. We'll have a little bit more on the Jags firing Urban Meyer, who they might be interested in hiring. One more item. We close out hour one, master class, where you can give a gift, but then you get a gift in return. I'll explain. Master class offers exclusive classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class masters at the top of their fields. And what I love about this, you normally have about 20 lessons per class. Let's say you want to learn how to sing. Mariah Carey teaches a class. Or movie making, Martin Scorsese. You want to learn how to shoot a basketball. Steph Curry. They're about 10 minutes per lesson. And they're video lessons, individual lessons. 
lessons that fit into your schedule, and it's at your pace. Lessons available anytime, anywhere on your phone, computer, tablet, smart TV, or just the audio mode is available. And there's over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors. And maybe it's a new hobby you want to pick up. This holiday, give one annual membership, and then you get one free. So that's not a bad way to give a gift and get a gift in return. Masterclass.com slash Patrick. Masterclass.com slash Patrick. Terms apply. You can find all the classes, including new additions on masterclass.com.